Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T. And today, I'm going to be positively selfish and let you know the 10 things that I've learned over the 45 years that I've been on this earth. This is a Sean T birthday episode, but instead of really just talking about me, I want to take all of these things that I've learned and empower you to continue to trust and believe, literally enhance your ability to trust and believe the time that you've had on this earth and really just sink into your life and teach you how to use your life and your life experiences better. Get ready to trust and believe. Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. All right, I'm going to get this started because I have 10 things that I've learned over the last 45 years. But first of all, I mean, do y'all believe that I'm 45? I got a little audience in my, do y'all believe that I'm 45? I mean, I don't. I mean, I feel like I look good. But what is a number anyway? A lot of people say, you know, age is just a number. Over time, I'm just like, I'm accepting it and I'm accepting my look and trust and believe I got some filler up here and trust and believe I get my eyebrows done. So I just want to empower anybody out there. If you've gotten any little, little snips or tucks or hits here and there, it's your life. If it makes you feel confident, if it makes you feel good, just continue to do it. That's not really one of the things that I've learned, but I guess it kind of is low key because I feel like a lot of people judge people's lives when we make decisions in our lives to make ourselves feel confident, to make ourselves feel better. And if you're really doing it correctly, you're really making yourself a great person for the people around you. And so today I'm going to talk a lot about a lot of things. It's going to seem like it's a little all over the place. But the reason why I'm going to tell you these 10 things in this particular order is because these are the lessons that I've learned along the way from when I was a young kid. So there are a lot of things that you'll be able to use. You might be like, oh, I didn't learn that until I was 23, or maybe I was 46, or maybe I learned it when I was a teenager. But for me, these are things that I've learned along the way, literally in chronological order. All right, so I'm going to start with this one because a lot of you have heard me say this before, but there's an enhancement to it. So the first one is, through struggle comes strength, 
but you didn't deserve the struggle. I think a lot of times when we talk about through struggle comes strength, like maybe you got a divorce and maybe you had an illness and it caused a lot of pain or turmoil in your life, or maybe you lost your job. People are like, yeah, but through struggle comes strength. I don't want to say I've been guilty of saying it, but I've said that too. But I also want to let you know you didn't deserve the struggle because I feel like for the longest time I've used my sexual abuse, which I talk about a lot, I use it as power. But the only thing that was powerful about it was my ability to learn to navigate on and how it affected me later in life. And so I will say, I was kind of put in my place a little bit because I actually saw either a TikTok or an Instagram reel where someone was like, you know, a lot of you are talking about you learn so much through your struggle, but she was like, I'm still going through it. Like I still have the nightmares. I still have the anxiety. I still have the fear of men. Like all of the things that she still feared, which, you know, I believe that some of that was maybe stuff that she hadn't gone through in therapy yet. But even if she had, those things still exist in your soul and they are still a part of your life's journey and they have still impacted you in oftentimes a negative way. So if you've been through something and you've found some strength. And a lot of people, when I use it, I'm like, you know, my sexual abuse truly made me who I am in certain aspects of my life and being able to dig deeper and conquer my mind and transform my life. But I also used to rely on the younger me to get me through. And I had to stop doing that because I'm like, he didn't deserve that. You know, he was just a kid. He was just eight years old. And so then I started relying on my eight-year-old self and I started saying, well, you know, my eight-year-old self didn't know what to do, but I've learned and I've grown along the way and I didn't deserve that. I can also utilize these things that I've learned and things that I've been through in therapy and the lessons that have impacted me in a really great way to make me stronger. All right. So the second thing that I've learned in my 45 years, and y'all can just go to, you know, trust and believe pod on Instagram and tell me that I look good for 45. I'm just kidding. The second thing I've learned is a leap of faith is a real thing sometimes, but that spring is provided by your heart. So a lot of people think like, I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to leave my job and I'm just going to feel like it's going to work out. I'm just going to, you know, manifest that it's going to work out or I'm going to move across country and it's just going to work out. And that is true because sometimes you're like, I have to think like, I have to think positive. Everything's going to work out fine. But do you know that the foundation of that is you literally followed your heart? It's something that you absolutely wanted. And I talk a lot about needs versus wants. Something that we want requires really a lot of planning, something that we want sometimes requires study. Like if you want a degree, you have to study for it. Things that we want requires help from other people. Things that we want requires an incredible amount of focus and commitment in terms of fitness. Like if you want to change your body or if some people who have a medical issue or the doctor told them they have to lose weight, this is something that you have to want to do. So those wants really are... I would say, inspired and fueled by your heart. And so, you know, if you're on a trampoline, you're springing up and down. You're like, oh my gosh, this is easy. But how do we actually take that jump in life to go after things that we want to go after? It literally comes from the heart. Sometimes it comes from the heart by way of, I can't take this anymore. 
you know, I was in an abusive relationship before. I was obviously, I talked about sexual abuse. And so for me, my first springboard that I followed my heart was when I moved out of my house when I was 14 years old. It was really tough to leave my brother and my mom, who I found to be incredible security blankets. But my heart was telling me I had to be somewhere else. And a lot of times your heart tells you you have to be somewhere else because of you know, a toxic environment. Maybe you're just not all the way happy. And I understand that people don't, you don't need to be 100% happy all the time. But if you're unhappy more than 55, 60% of the time, I think, well, even if it's 50-50, I believe that you have to make some kind of change. So kind of like the activity I would like you to do now, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if you're, you're listening to this or maybe you're just sitting around, is like literally close your eyes and be like, what is it that I want? And I've told people to, to ask themselves this question before. What is it that I want? What do I desire? What do I want my life to be like in three months, six months, maybe even tomorrow? These are wants. These are not necessarily needs. Like, yes, you sometimes need to get out of a bad relationship. Or yes, you need a, a car to get to work. But at the same time, a lot of times you just want these things to make your life better. And so I want you to think about what are the action steps you're going to take to get it? But more importantly, why do you want this? If we ask ourselves, why do we want something? We're more apt to use our heart as a springboard to get us to the next level. For me, I want it so bad. And once it needs sometimes overlap or intertwine, but for me, I want it so bad to get out of the toxic environment at 14 years old. I had to devise a plan. And to be quite honest, if you want to be full disclosure, I love my grandparents. They were really the reason. They just made me feel safe and warm and whole. And I just felt like I was never going to be hungry. I was never going to be walking on eggshells in my house. But at the same time, I knew I was going to be going to church five days a week. I knew I was going to be in the gospel choir. I knew I was going to be at prayer breakfast with, you know, 65, 75, <laughs> 85-year-old people at, you know, 14 years old. Like, I knew this. I was going to have to do this. However pros and cons, toxic environment, or going into a place where at the time for me was just much better and the support system was beyond. So I will say it again, a leap of faith is a real thing sometimes, but that springboard is provided by your heart. All right, number three, oh, clutch your pearls because every single person in the world deals with this, even my five-year-olds. Insecurities are merely things that need more attention from you. And sometimes it comes down to you accepting that part of you. So it's so interesting because I was on Instagram and my friend Megan Davies was being bullied because someone commented that she looked like a man in one of her posts where she was flexing. And she is incredibly kind. Like she responds with kindness. And I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. But I don't because I don't like bullies. But what I started to think and vocalize is that the reason why people bring other people down is because they're insecure about something. Because I wouldn't say this is a hundred percent right for everyone, but let's take somebody, I've seen someone say this before, so I'm not plagiarizing, but I'm using this as an example. A black belt in karate is not going to knock down someone who's going for, I think the first is a white belt or something. Like They're not going to knock them down because they know the strength and determination it took to even get to the black belt. They, they know the the focus and commitment it takes. Or someone who has finally made it super successful in a relationship is not going to knock down somebody 
who's just starting out their own business, for the most part, they're going to be like, oh my goodness, like I know exactly what it takes to get there and the inception of what it is that you want to do. And usually the person who has reached a level of success, they're going to offer support. I mean, you can look on TikTok. There's this guy, I don't know his name, but he just walks down the street and he gives major support and tips to people who are want to build their own business. But insecurities come in when someone sees something that someone else has and either they feel like they can get it, either they don't have the desire to get it or to be quite honest, they're just too lazy to go after it. So what they do is they try to bring someone down to make themselves feel better. The thing is that really sucks is like, if you see somebody bringing someone down over here, they've probably done it in the last week 15 times to other people. And if they haven't outwardly done it, they're thinking to themselves and they're beating themselves down. Now, I know for me, I've definitely been in a situation where I've had my insecurities. I've had insecurities, you know, when it comes to parts of my relationship. I've had insecurities because literally because of things that happened in my past. I've had insecurities when it comes to love. I've had insecurities when it comes to other friends or earlier in my career and people getting somewhere. Like, yeah, I've always been positive and I've all, I would say most of the time I've been positive and most of the time I've been like, oh, I gotta work hard to get this. But those insecurities creep in and most of the time it's because it's something that I've, I haven't worked hard enough to go after. So if you're a person out there, if you feel insecure about something, here's the tip, give that insecurity attention and acceptance. I'm gonna give you something super trivial like my feet. I hate my feet. I compare my feet to Scott's feet. He has these beautiful, like his arches are wonderful. I'm just like, oh, like look at them all the time. And I'm like, I despise my feet. They're flat. They've been, they look like they've been run over by a Mack truck because of all the sports and athletics that I did. And I hate showing them. So when I was at my massage retreat in Australia, the leader of the retreat was innocently making fun of my feet. And he was like, oh, your feet look like platypus feet. And I was like, oh my God. So then I'm like, okay, Sean, like, how do you respond to this? 99.9% .9 of the time, this guy is like super cool. Like, what are you gonna do? And I just looked at him and I was like, you know, I'm not gonna be offended by that, but I was like, it is an insecurity of mine. And, and like, everybody was like, wow. And some people are like, oh, your feet are fine. And like, some people are like, oh yeah, like you do have flat feet, but not in like a negative way. And so it really just like sparked this like thing in me. And then I posted a picture, I believe it was on Twitter. And someone was like, someone said something negative about my feet. And I'm just like, oh my God. So then I had to go into action. I'm like, these are your feet. Like, these are your feet. And you have to just love your feet the way you love your feet. And I know it's, for some people it's so trivial, but for me, it's a, it's a big deal. So that day I showed my feet on Instagram. I went to the nail salon. I got a pedicure. She scrubbed my feet. She made my feet so pretty. But when I sat down, this is pretty much the most profound moment of that day. When I sat down to get my pedicure, the woman looked at my feet because she hasn't done my feet in probably like six or eight months because I've been busy. And she said, oh my gosh, your feet look so much better. Like you've been taking care of them. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, Tracy, 
You have no idea how much that means to me. And so she finished my feet and then my husband shows up because he wanted to be, you know, supportive husband. So we got our nails painted. I got my toenails done white. Oh my gosh. And so like the last few days, I'm like, oh, I want to walk around without, without my shoes. Like, you know, it's just giving that acceptance, like these are my feet and then giving it, giving it attention. I think the third thing to that is you have to, like I say in my book and like what's written right here on my chest, screen out the noise, hear what you need to believe in your ability to succeed. Even if you've fallen short before, because some of your insecurities are the fact that you've fallen short in giving it attention or fallen short in committing to your goal. So you haven't reached that level of success that maybe one of your girlfriends had or your, or your guy friends. And so if you have some insecurities out there and you feel like you are acting out and specifically bringing other people down, give your insecurities some attention, work on it. And most of all, accept what it is that you need or want to change. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, number four. So excited about this one. Passion is there at birth. You have to be patient while in the maze to reach it. It also changes. So one of the things that I see a lot of people going through, and actually I was having a phone call with my brother literally this morning. We haven't talked on the phone, like outside of text messages. We haven't had a full-on conversation in a very long time. And so what I realized in the conversation that he and I were having is he really wants to make a change, but he can't necessarily figure out where it is or what it is that he wants to do and where it is that he wants to go. And so we kind of worked through that. But it also made me really think like, you know, there's so many people out there who are like, I'm just trying to find my passion. I'm just trying to find my passion. And I believe at least this is what I've learned. I believe our passions are there at birth. I believe they they start to develop as a kid. And sometimes we take this maze and some people reach it at five, they started playing soccer. They become a professional soccer player. And they were like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Some people want to be a dancer. Some people want to play the piano. Some people love math. And they just like, some people excel in reading or something in school that has automatically been, in a, in a way, placed in your lap. All of those things that you do learn in your young life, be it education, sports, you know, those things are oftentimes introduced and just kind of built for you as you're younger, because this is just a part of the timeline, a part of the chronological order of life. But then there are people who are born, they grow up, they feel like they have these passions, maybe it's sports, maybe it's arts, maybe it's some sort of education, but they have a parent that's guiding them like, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a pastor. And so what happens is a lot of times, and I can't say, I don't think that a lot of parents do this in a facetious way. I believe that a lot of parents do it because they really want to set their children up for success. And they think that this is successful instead of guiding them 
to find success for them. Side note, I know so many people now that didn't even go to college and they are uber successful, literally millions of dollars. And so I'm not knocking the parents because I know a lot of them do it out of just fear that they want their kid to be successful. Some of them actually do it in my opinion, in a facetious way, like this is what you're going to be. But sometimes when that happens or when barriers happen, like maybe you're bullied as a kid and maybe as a young kid, your your mind becomes less focused on things that you can enjoy and like you're afraid to go to school. There's so many barriers that can happen that prohibit you from finding your passion when you're younger. And so if you're a person out there that has yet to find their passion, I want you to literally go back into your mind and say like, when did I start to feel happy? What are, what are some of the things that I did as a kid? Was I like in the backyard digging for rocks under the dirt? Because like maybe you're a paleontologist. <laughs> like you just, you just don't know. So find that thing that was passion. For me, I absolutely remember as a kid, this is kind of like embarrassing, but it's not really embarrassing. It's just kind of funny. Oh my God. So I don't even know if I ever told this story except for like Scott and some of my friends when I had a drink or two. So, oh my gosh. It is my 45th birthday, so it's time. I hope my mom is watching this. Mom, if you're watching this, oh my gosh. So my mom, my brother, and my stepmonster would be downstairs and maybe they would have left the house. And I was probably like seven years old. And I would sneak downstairs into my mom's room and I would grab her like high heel shoes and then I would run upstairs and I would take one of my blankets on like I had a dress and I would put her shoes on and I would put on some music. <laughs> I would be like dancing. Bitch, I was a drag queen at seven. Come the f through. I didn't know what a drag queen was, but it was just like the expression of dance. And I was just like, I always thought that my mom had like the dopest clothes and she had like the coolest outfits when she would go out or do stuff or whatever. And, you know, her shoes and clothes were completely different than my shoes and my clothes in my closet. And so I remember, but then it kind of moved into less with her shoes and my blanket around me and moved into me just like dancing. Like I would turn on music, I would dance. And I remember the very first birthday party I had, I was going to say I went to it was my very first birthday party I had. I remember being outside of my house and the music was on and a, and a circle formed. And I was in the middle. Yes, I was slaying the game when I was young. I was always in the middle of the circle, all the way to like being a senior in high school at homecoming. I just remember the music would come on. I would choreograph, whatever, whatever. I say all that to say my passion for dance was so young. But like you know, if you've read in my book, my mom was a little bit afraid because I thought all dancers were called ballerinas. And so she was like, little boys don't dance of her fear of like me getting teased. And so I just only danced at parties until I got to college. And that's when I was like, yo, there's like a lot of guys dancing. I started teaching dance class and I found my passion. Mind you, I knew what my passion was when I was younger, but then I got older and I just was like, this is my passion. Now, as I've gotten older, I started to use feeling of dance. Like the feeling I get when I dance is like this exponentially incredible feeling. It could be a reel, it could be a TikTok, or I could be on stage. And just the idea of moving to music is so profound to me. But the feeling that I feel is just exponentially amazing, which takes me to another one of my passions is music, because I realized that music moves me. You'll see 
and my B25 workouts. The cycling is great. The intervals are great, but it's the music that is moving me to push to the next level, which then my passion enhanced to being able to speak to people through movement. So anyway, I say all that to say your passion is somewhere there. It probably, I believe the passion is there at birth and then it just blossoms as you move forward. You sometimes have barriers in a way. So if you feel like you're not living out your passion, rewind a little bit, look back to that point in time where you said, this is something I really like. And even if you can't completely change careers to do it, just go try to find ways to do it. Like if you like singing, probably a choir somewhere near you that you can go join for a year. Just try to find that passion. And if the passion has turned into something that you can make money for or something that you can do every day to help people, I just really encourage you to go out and try. All right. So number five is the feeling of anxiety and happiness are the same. It's how you respond to the feeling that determines the outcome. So this was an extreme eye-opener for me. This was literally a couple months ago. I was in Los Angeles, and I was just having major anxiety. I don't, I don't even know why. Like, I was just, like, very overwhelmed. It was actually around the New Year time. And I remember saying to, to Scott, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm having, like, a tremendous amount of anxiety right now. I don't even know how to handle it. And he was like, well, your therapist do a call an online call. And I was like, yes. So I reached out to my therapist and we started chatting and he just like literally changed, he changes my life every session, <laughs> but he literally changed my life and said, the feeling of anxiety and the feeling of happiness is the same response. Like you get the heart rate increase, you feel that excitement of some sort, sometimes that adrenaline rush is what you do with the thought that determines the outcome of your mood is absolutely fascinating. I was just fascinated because I was like, you're absolutely right. So whenever I have an anxious moment now, I'm like, what are you going to do with this? Because oftentimes when I'm feeling anxiety, I'm trying to predict the future of like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen when in reality it didn't happen yet. And the thing about happiness, you feel the same and happiness is something that already happened, but they're both the same, but you can really respond to them the same. This is what he was explaining to me. I've been like so good now. If I have that super high anxious feeling, I'm like, okay, I can make this a really great experience or I can literally go down a rabbit hole of self-destruction and ruin my day because this feeling that I'm having is a valid feeling, but the things that I'm going to do with my brain about this feeling are 99.99% untrue because you don't have the facts about how you're feeling. And so now I swipe it to the side. I ask myself, what are the facts? Like to the point where the last couple of days, Y'all, like my neck was hurting like really bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Something's wrong with my spine. Like I noticed it's so crazy. I go to the gym today. I'm doing single leg presses on a machine. And I said to Kristen, I was like, oh, I was like, I didn't want to tell you, but like I'm stressed, like my neck hurt. And I'm like, it's something. Kristen steps behind me. She does like a little something with my neck on this side, a little something with my neck on this side. I do another set. She goes back around. She does a little something with my neck. And I'm like, 50% better immediately. <laughs> so it just goes to show you a lot of times you have to ask yourself with, with anxiety, what are the facts? What I'm saying I'm experiencing, I'm not experiencing unless it's like a hard fact. And so it's just a way, I'm not an expert obviously in that field, but I just know that going to therapy has definitely helped my anxiety. And when you start to feel overwhelmed, I know that meditation helps me, getting massage helps me. 
and you can literally oftentimes let these feelings that you're having of anxiety float with the clouds. And when you are able to master that, the next three minutes later, you're just like, oh my gosh, why was I even stressed about that? Now, listen, if you're really stressed about something, call your therapist or go to the doctor or whatever it is, or talk to your your husband or wife or spouse or friend if something's really overwhelming you. But if you're a person that suffers from anxiety, there are some tips that I got from my mental health therapist, and I hope it can help you too. There's also those feelings of anxiety that you are happy and excited about something, but you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with it. And you can't see my arms, but I have the chills. So I will say every time when I was a professional dancer, I was so excited to get ready to go on stage. I was so excited. I would get, this is in the very beginning of the show, when I, right before I worked, walked out on stage for the first time for this particular show, I would freeze. I would literally be like, oh my gosh, I forgot the steps. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the first like pretty much 15 seconds out there, I'm still in this, this space of like, oh my gosh. And then the music, then I keep dancing and then I warm up and I go. And so I got over that when I would have to speak or perform exercise workouts. You know, my DVDs are not DVDs, child. Because no, we don't have DVDs anymore. So don't ask. We don't have DVDs at body. But, you know, I started in a DVD era. Okay. And so what I used to do is I was like, this is, I'm very excited about this. You don't have to freeze. And now what I do is I turn around for me, this works. And I like, I pray to my grandparents because they're, in my opinion, like they're my, just my major support system of people who aren't there. And then it just like calms me down. I'm like, these two people are going to be really excited for me and I got to go out there. But that sort of anxiety is a form of happiness. Like if you are about to go on a job interview, you're like, oh my gosh, this is my dream job interview. This is the moment I've been waiting for. This is what I study all you know, my life for. And that anxiety, you have to look at it. This is good. I mean, I know you've heard people say, if you're not nervous anymore, you shouldn't be doing it. It is oftentimes very, very true. I would say 99% of the time, it's very true. And so you have to change that mentality from, oh my gosh, I'm in this dream job interview coming up. I'm really excited but it's not going to work out or it's my first day at work. And like, what if it doesn't work out to I'm about to slay this interview. Like, this is a really great feeling. I've worked so hard for it. This is my first day at the job. I'm going to focus on making interpersonal relationships because to be quite honest, dealing with people is actually how you become really successful at your job. If you can deal with people really well. And so change that anxiety, negative feeling into either an action-oriented feeling or just being really proud of yourself that you've gotten here and, and just think positivity. Because with anxiety, you can either think very negatively of this situation or you can think positively. And I just believe that positively, you might still carry a little of that angst, but your headspace will be in a much better space. Number six. I don't have favorites, but this is something I'm excited to talk about. So number six, love is what you want it to be, not how others, i.e. a TV show or books, present it. So a lot of times when we are looking for love, I don't know how many of you out there watch the show Love is Blind or, you know, Perfect Match or like The Bachelor, you know, what I'm saying? we watch all these shows or my favorite love movie 
of all time, The Notebook. Like, you know, we watch these shows that they basically say, this is love. And then so what happens is you see all these different people finding love in different avenues and different spaces. And so our brain funnels to this is what love is. And we're searching for this like incredible moment and be like, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany. Now, you can smack me if you want. I actually have one of those moments. I just think it's very rare. And the reason why I know it's very rare is because so many people are like, oh my gosh, like that actually happened. And I'm like, yes, that happened. So when me and Scott watched The Notebook, we actually have just an overwhelming feeling because there was no wait time for us. But that doesn't mean that that has to happen for everyone. And that's not how love and the inception of love for people happens. You know, first and foremost, I think that Scott and I were both in a time, I know we were both in a time where we loved ourselves enough to be able to be ready for that kind of connection. So foundationally, do you love yourself, right? I do believe you can find love if you don't quite love yourself yet. I feel like there's a lot of times, there are a lot of things that we have to work on and we see it. But I think mostly if you're working on self-love while being on the market, if you will, it just enhances your ability to accept love, affection, conversation, openness from somebody else. My friend Alex and Steve, they met years ago back in school and the universe brought them back together at a point. It was like, oh, wow, like this is it. So my point is, and that's a love story in itself. And some people can look at that and be like, oh my gosh, like I wish that would happen to me. But like, some people look at The Bachelor and they're like, I want to go on that show. I want to be competing with 20 other women for one man or Bachelorette and vice versa. You know, in Love is Blind, people are like, oh my gosh, I would love to meet my person and not see them and then find love. The thing is, I believe that love is like snowflakes and you never know how you're going to find it. I know two of my friends, they found each other on a hookup app, a gay hookup app. Look, and they still together. You know what I'm saying? Well, Instagram hookup app is all the same. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but whether it's a hookup app or Instagram, because Instagram is a hookup app for a lot of people, just saying it like I mean it. <laughs> He's leaving now. <laughs> Sorry, just a little fun here at Shanti Inc. People just meet people in so many different ways. And you know, when you go to a party, and you say, how did you guys meet? Most of the time, I would say if there's 10 stories, you might have two people that's like, oh, nowadays you might, people, might have people like, oh, we met online or whatever. But like so many people, even if they did meet online, how they were ready, how the love actually manifested into wanting to be together, it's all so different. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to go a little bit deeper there, but I think I want to keep it right there that... I hate when people say, don't try to find love, it'll find you. Sometimes you do have to actively search. And the reason why you have to actively search is because you think that you're putting yourself out there and you're really not because you have some sort of blockages. I'm not going to get too deep. Or maybe you are creating this barrier. Or maybe you haven't worked on yourself enough, but you don't have to look for what other people have shown you love to be. You don't have to have that. Like It's going to happen in a way that it's going to happen for you. And so I've said this before, but back to Scott and my story, we met on a hookup. <laughs> I call it a gay dating app, but it's not. <laughs> it's not for dating. I guess you can eventually. But, you know, I met Scott on a street corner. I said, bitch, listen, I knew right away. I started walking next to him. I was like, this is absolutely an insane feeling. Like, it's insane to the point where 
I had to, I was like almost wanting to push myself away from it because it was just like a very heavy feeling that I hadn't experienced before. So love is like snowflakes. When it's time for you, it's time for you. And there's some people out there that you're like, some people want to be single and I want to celebrate you too. Like you want to be single. You're like, maybe you got a divorce and maybe you're just like, I'm just not a relationship person or there's so many different types of relationships out there. But however you decide to love, whether you will stay in the energy of loving yourself for your life or you find love with someone else, your love is your love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, here we go. Number seven, change is good, even though it can feel really bad. That is one thing I have learned. If I just give you a quick recap of my life, you know, I'll go back to something I talked about before, leaving my house, like felt really horrible, but it was good for me. Coming out to my mom at 21 felt really horrible but it was good for me. Leaving my family to go to LA with like $3,000 in my bank account. The mirror on my car was broken. <laughs> like, drove across country. Was really good, but it felt horrible to do. Starting to teach fitness in a new city. Going to auditions. Like all of these things, like in a sense, felt scary and sometimes bad. Or leaving past relationships, like it was really hard to do, but it's really good for you. And the reason why I say that it kind of goes in line with like taking that leap of faith. I oftentimes talk about the movie, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And that is, you know, you are literally one choice away from enhancing or changing or bettering your life. And so I think I said this before. I don't know. I'm getting old, literally. <laughs> but I just don't think that people are going to make a decision to do something that they love if it's not going to be a really great experience for them. You know, there are people that decide to get in a relationship, but I'm just saying like, generally, if you think about let's eliminate people and let's talk about your own life's path, going to college, going for that first job, all of these things are extremely tough a lot of times and scary. But years ago, I was in San Diego and I was watching a musical and the most incredible Shirley Ralph was on stage and she had this line in the musical. I saw it like four times and she was like, change is good. And it was like a really empowering part of this particular musical because, you know, it was the part of the musical that 
the change was good. It was like, wow, like there's greatness happening at this point. And so I always thought about that. Even when I've had to like end relationships, change is good. Change is good because it's good for me. And you can be caring when you're changing, if you're leaving your family to go do something for you, or even if you're ending a relationship, like you can be very caring about these things. It's not being selfish or just being like, this is for me, negatively selfish, but change is good. So if you're a person out there that you're like, I know I need a change, go after it. Okay. Number eight. Okay. This quote is a quote that I heard online, but is something that impacted me in such a way that it is definitely one of the top 10 things that I've learned in my life in the last 45 years. And it says, surround yourself with people that smile when they see you coming. Like you do not have to continue to go out with those people that you don't vibe with. It's not even that you have to dislike them. They dislike you. Like your friend group may not be the friend group that's empowering you to feel really confident. Surround yourself with people that smile when they see you. I can tell you right now, every person that I make a point to go visit somewhere, they're smiling when I'm walking up. I'm never going to go into a group of people if I'm like, oh, they kind of want me there, but you know, I'm just going to go anyway because it's something to do. Nope. Nope, nope. I'd rather be in my own energy. So this doesn't take too much to understand, but like surround yourself with people that smile when they see you coming. And I will say this, my heart broke the other day. My kid was at the playground. There wasn't even that many kids at the playground, but Sander walked up to us and he's like, no one wants to play with me. And I just feel so lonely. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, you know, thank God Scott was there and Scott was like, I forget exactly what he said, but he was like, they just started running away. I was like, well, did you go ask if you could play with them? And he went up and asked if they could play with them. And they were like, sure. But at that moment, I, my heart was breaking because I, you know, I have I've been in that situation as a kid before. And, it, you know, and it's hard to really explain to him that, you know, those times are going to happen. But as an adult, as we are listening to this, or even if you're in high school and you're listening to this, you are allowed to change your environment so that you feel good walking into your environment. And you do not have to feel bad about it. And again, you do not have to be rude. You can still be very cordial with those people who necessarily, it is, doesn't even have to be like they were mean. Maybe you were just kind of an afterthought in the group because that kind of stuff does happen too. Even with me, like I remember going to some of these speaking events and like you would walk into a room and I was like, this is just a lot for me. Like everyone, they were a presenter. So everyone is so worried about themselves and telling them their story. Like they didn't give a shit about me. So I'm like, yeah, not going into these parties again. Cause it didn't make, you know, I would actually connect with people before I went to these things. And I'm like, Hey, you want to hang out? I'm going to surround myself with people that smile when they see me coming. I'm going to have a much better time in a group of three at a dinner or hanging out and having coffee than a group of 50 of people who are just you know, fighting for the spotlight. I don't need to do that. You know what I mean? I don't, I actually really don't. And neither do you. I just hope that for you, like, and it's okay. You will find your people. I promise. Pay attention to those people who smile when they see you coming. All right. Number nine, we are almost there. You are not responsible for capable adults. You are not responsible for capable adults, people. There are so many people out there that's like, I have to take care of my family. I have to give my finances to these people. I have to do this. And I'm like, 
There are certain situations in which I help adults. If they literally have maybe lost a job, spent all their savings on their feet, they just started a job, they don't have enough money, but they're working hard. I'm like, boom, like you are going for, I will absolutely support you. I guess to, to be quite honest, I only support people if I know that they're working really hard or even if they're just working toward getting something that they want and I have the means to do it, I'm like, absolutely, 100%, no questions asked. To be quite honest, people who do stuff for me, I have no problem ever helping people that do stuff for me, ever. And it's not even like a transactional thing. It's just like the connection. I'm like, this person has my back. I have their back. That is okay to say, but you don't have to. And I say this just very specifically and bluntly, just because you might be the most successful person in your family, or maybe everybody's successful. You just save your money better. Or maybe you, you know, have the car and you maybe do errands for people once a month. If they're capable to get a job, if they're capable to have a car, if they have a license, if they're capable to study, you don't have to take care of them. Don't take on the burden. So for me, now what I do is I empower people. If I don't want to help them either financially or take care of them or like do things that they want me to do, I'm like, well, this is how I would do it. Here's how you should try it. Because offering advice or offering expertise that you have to help people move forward is oftentimes 10 times better than a monetary gift because the monetary gift is there and it goes away and there's there's no lesson learned often times from that and they'll be back for more but like those people who like again those people who have your back they help you out you like this is great these people are those people that smile when they see you coming and vice versa but like i'm just gonna be straight up like lazy people don't get it. They just don't get it. But I will always, always give you the advice you need. And here we are at number 10. Number 10 is live your best life whenever possible. Talking to my brother this morning, like I said earlier, and he said, you know, my life is a roller coaster right now. And I'm not talking about the Maverick, <laughs> you know, where he loves, we love amusement parks. He's like, my life is a roller coaster right now, but it's not the Maverick. And you know, he pointed back to a time where we were living our best lives at the amusement park at Cedar Point, I believe it was. And we were just having like a really good time. And he's right now not living his best life in a sense because he's working towards something. But there are times where I believe that people out there can live their best lives. They can celebrate what's happening in their lives. And they suppress it a little bit to not hurt other people's feelings. Like today, someone asked me, they were like, how are you, Sean? I was like, I'm wonderful. I am absolutely wonderful. And I used to be like, I'm wonderful, but I'm full of wonder. Like if I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen next because it was kind of like, oh, I just kind of want to say that because I want them to feel like, you know, I'm still like looking out to see how I'm going to move forward. But now like today, this week, I'm like, I'm wonderful living my best life. My, <laughs> my marriage is great. My you know, my kids are wonderful. I have a great support system with friends, family, my team, my trainer, my coach. I mean, right now, I'm absolutely wonderful. And I'm going to live my best life through that. And I want you to, too. If you hit a patch in your life where you're like, oh my gosh, life is so great, celebrate that. If you hit a patch where you're like, oh, life isn't that great right now, that's going to happen. That is, it is inevitable. It's going to happen. We are all human. We have the ebbs and flows. 
your relationship can be great in the morning and then somebody has a feeling about something and that evening sucks. So I'm just saying like, whatever possible, live your best life. If you are at a space in your life right now where you are suppressing that feeling of greatness because you don't want to, you know, hurt the feelings of the person beside you and next to you, just bring them along with it. Like, hey, I want you to celebrate with me because like I'm feeling really good. And even though you're not, let's like utilize this good feeling. We can both benefit from this. So yes, and there's been really great moments through like releasing programs to traveling, to having kids, getting married. Like I've had really many great moments in my life and I really want to be able to look back at them and be like, wow, I really sat in that experience and I'm glad that I gave it the present energy that I had at that moment because it was really great. Live your best life whenever possible. There are my 10 things in my 45 years. I just invite you to, on your birthday, do the same thing. Maybe it's five, maybe you only wanna do three, but it really helps you recap your life and really figure out the lessons that you've learned along the way that are embedded in your soul that you can tack them on to what you learned in the years to come. And if you do that, you will continue to trust and believe in who you are.